You're listening to the 50 by 50 podcast for the young at heart woman who is looking to get the most out of life as she steps up to 50 and beyond. Hey there, it's Rochelle Marie. Welcome to this episode of the 50 by 50 podcast, where today we are talking with the beautiful Alison Bale. Uh, so welcome, Alison, and thank you very much for joining us. Rochelle, thank you very much for the invitation. Um, I'm really pleased to be here. It's an honor. Thank awesome. you. Exciting. Uh, So I want to get straight into it because I feel like we're going to have a lot to talk about. (laughs) And so I want to know, I don't know that we often sit back and go, well, who am I now? We kind of just keep moving. And so I'd love to know, who do you feel like you are at this point in time? Yeah, it's it's interesting. When I sat down to think about that question, I... I realized that I'm actually somebody my 20-year-old self wouldn't recognize, mm, mm. wouldn't recognize at all. But I think she'd be impressed. In fact, sometimes I have to remind myself that, Alison, if you told your 20-year-old self what your 40 and 50-year-old self was going to be doing, she'd think it was awesome. <laughs> I love um, I mean, you, you said I'm, I'm coming to you from the opposite side of the world. Well, it, it's in two senses. Uh, yeah, I'm a Brit but I'm not speaking to you from Britain at the moment. I'm speaking to you from India. Yes. Where I've lived for the last 15 years. And I think honestly, the whole idea that I've lived here for 15 years is a little bit jaw on the floor for me. I've changed continents. I've changed careers three times. I do like a bit of an adventure. Yeah. And I do like to be challenged. And I think, what I get now is that as a 50-year-old, I realize how important those things are to me, mm. whereas the 20-year-old would probably have gone, mm, a bit scary, a bit scary. But I do like a challenge, and I do like change, and I do get to a point where I'm still in my 50s saying, right, where's the next adventure? Yeah. What am I doing now? Because I do like to grow. Yeah. So, so that wasn't, you didn't have that adventurous spirit as a 20 year old that's a a newer thing I think you know if you look at my I guess my early career my early life experiences I was I was pretty conventional I went university and then I went into publishing and that morphed into corporate communications and uh, I I guess the, the big the big first change came at around early 30s because the job I was doing I had the job in London in the city uh, um, I, I was the woman on the train at six o'clock in the morning doing a makeup you know and I got the home in the house I got the house in the home counties and the red sports car and, and I was working with a team and and we got moved to cut a uh, a long story short, I was uh, when I joined the team, they were 30 minutes from my home. By the time we'd been moved, it was two hours either way. Oh. And I hated it. Yeah. Hated commuting. There were lots of other things going on. And I mean, I'd, I'd gone from a small firm to a big firm because I thought that's what I wanted. I thought I wanted the big salary, the security, the company car, the benefits. And I got there and found that it didn't matter how much of that I got. I wasn't actually happy. Mm. And you know, you asked me a question about life experiences that have shaped who we are today. It was that 
move to London was a catalyst for basically making me so uncomfortable that I was actually prepared to say, right, what do I want? This has got to change. And when I look back on it now, actually, I think if they hadn't moved me, I might never have made some of the big changes that have morphed into where I am today. Um, it, it's the poet David White who says that, you know, the person who sets out on the journey isn't the person who arrives. Yeah. Um, which I think echoes back the comment you made at the beginning. And definitely for me, there was something about reaching a point where I recognized that I was so uncomfortable. I also recognized that in the job I was in, um, you know, somebody said something to me the other day about you reach certain points as you grow where you've got to keep showing up as a bigger version of you. Mm. And I wasn't showing up as a big enough version of me. I'd worked for a really good small agency. I'd gone to a bigger one, found it didn't suit me. Everywhere I looked in terms of staying in the industry I was in involved staying with what I was doing. And there was part of me that I didn't even know was there at the time yelling, don't do that. Don't do that. So um, one of those light bulb moments for which I don't think there's any, there's no word actually other than synchronicity because it couldn't possibly have been planned. But literally one day I just sat down and went, okay, if I've got to change careers, I'll give myself eight years. I'll give myself till I'm 40 to find out what I want to do and retrain if necessary. And literally a day or two after that, I chanced on an article about chiropractic for horses. Right. And I'm a, I'm a horse rider, okay? okay. And I got, I got background in science. I'd never used science in my professional work, but I've got a science degree. Mm -hmm. And it was just really weird. It was like when I got the prospectus, it was like, Everything I'd been doing in my life had been about being on the road to being there. I ticked every single box when I went for interview. Yeah. I'd got the philosophy. I'd got the science. But that doesn't mean it wasn't, it wasn't actually really scary because it's a fairly radical move to go from having a, a secure and pretty well-paid job in the corporate world to saying, I'm going to retrain, so I've got to go freelance. That meant giving up the guaranteed salary, and I was the name on the mortgage at the time. And I was due to get married the following year to the guy who was still my husband. Um, and me going freelance was actually a very big risk for us. But what I actually found, what I learned, is that actually, if you know why you're doing what you're doing, for me, certainly, you can find a way through regardless of how hard it is. It doesn't matter how many challenges there are. If you can see that I'm supposed to be going there, you can work out how to fill the gap in between. Finding the hardest part, actually, is, is finding the way to take the first step. Um, in what I do now, I sometimes use the analogy of you come to a chasm, basically, and you've got this rope bridge, and it looks a bit rickety. But if you don't, if you don't get across the chasm, you're not getting where you want to go. And it's a question of dealing with the disparate parts of, well, do I just charge across it full pelt? Well, probably not, because it might break. 
But if I stand here on this side of the chasm, wanting everything to be right for me and needing to know how it's all going to work out, I'm not going to step onto the bridge. And, and it, it's finding a way to, to just kind of make that step in a way that doesn't make you so scared that you can't go forward. I actually carried a little poem with me yeah. at the time. And, and it just said, well, I don't have a poem, but it just said, whenever there is forward movement, there is turbulence. And it just reminded me that every time I panicked about whether I was doing the right thing and whether this was going to work, I'd look at that and go, it's normalizing. Everybody would feel this way. Yes. You're normal. Yeah. That, there's so much in that story that really resonates with me. I really like love how you just tied everything that I kind of spout quite often into one little story. Um, and I just want to pick a few pieces out just to sort of say to anyone that's listening, these are the key things that if you're thinking about taking a step right now, this is what will help you. So I think what I heard in there was, was the vision, the, the clarity on where you wanted to end up. And I think you, you won't take that step onto the bridge without knowing that the, the thing you want to get to is on the other side. So you've got to have that, you know, be really clear on where you're wanting to end up. And it doesn't mean you will end up there exactly, right? You can be one degree off and end up in a completely different place. And that's just fine. So I guess, I guess in there, there's a question for you. Is where you originally thought you were heading to exactly where you ended up or did it morph a little bit in the, in the journey? Oh, it, it definitely morphs. In yeah. fact, I'd, I'd, I'd pick up on a couple of things. Thinking about the why and the vision is that it, what I found that for me is at some point that needs to come from deep within you. Mm-hmm. And it took me a long, in some respects, it took me a while to really articulate mine. I knew that the decision to train to be a chiropractor was right, but I couldn't entirely have articulated my why, which is, my why is that I want to leave this world a better place than I found it. Lovely. What I've realized is you can have that kind of vision, but how you deliver it can change over time, which is something else I'll come to. I've been in India for 15 years, and one of the things that's taught me is that if you tie yourself too tightly to a notion of, I'm going to X, and I've got it all planned out, and it's got to work out the way I think it's going to, firstly, you create yourself a lot of stress, because that isn't how it happens. Secondly, it's easy to end up thinking you failed when you haven't because mm-hmm. you haven't finished up quite where you thought you'd be. And, you know, that's okay. It, it, it is to some extent about constructing the path as you go along and just being open to, to things not, I think, I just think for me, there are some things I actually sometimes can't envisage. I can't tell you how it's going to go. Mm. I, I can have a kind of broad outline You see, the thing is, I used to be a really arch planner. Mm -hmm. Everything had got to be nailed to the floor. Spent 15 years living in a country that doesn't plan. Right. I've become much more just sort of willing to 
allow things to happen. It doesn't mean I don't have a plan at all. If we're going on holiday, we have a flight out and a flight back, or we used to when we could travel. Yes. Um, but I'm much more likely to have left the hole in between to, I've got a broad outline of what I want to do, but let's see what happens. Mm. Because things do change and they do morph. And, you know, one of the things I didn't say about the chiropractic story, the original impetus was being a chiropractor for horses. Mm -hmm. You had to do the human course first. Mm -hmm. Did the human course, absolutely loved it. Got onto the animal course, didn't like it. Yeah. Topped it out, finished it because that's who I am. Yeah. Really done much animal work. And honestly, it doesn't matter mm. because I've loved the human work. Mm. But the thing that got me on the road is not at all where I thought I was going to finish up. Yeah. 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 And I think, that's all right. I think yeah, exactly. That's it's more than all right. I think. Um, and maybe this is something that we'll discuss a bit more later on, but the, the journey is the point to me now. It is, is as much as the point yeah. as you still need that clarity, though. You need some vision of where you're heading towards, but it's the journey yes, that makes you who you are and yeah. not where you end up. So, yeah, I love no. that. Um, and I, and the, the bit about the why, I am very, very strong on understanding why you want to do anything if you really want to take the first step and the next step and the next step particularly when it's difficult particularly when it's out of your comfort zone find your why and like you said it might start off that your why is a bit surface level and that's okay too and as you take the steps you will find that sort of almost calling I think within your why um, the yeah. one that's pulling you towards it rather than you pushing yourself towards it. So, um, yeah, I love that you had that all, all back then to get you to where you are now. So that's amazing. Yeah, and, and I just, I think for me that once I know why I'm doing something, I find a way through. I find a way to surmount the challenges. Mm. And what, one of the things that's been interesting, and we, we moved you know, we moved to India in 2006. Mm. And the only thing I can concretely tell you about why we came is that we both knew that if we didn't do it, we were going to sit in the UK in 20 years time and regret it. Yeah. It became one of those, you really have to do this. And we didn't quite understand why. I can tell you a whole story about, you know, wanting to live in a different culture. And we'd made an investment here that we needed to put some time into. I could do all of that. But the truth is, um, we kind of needed to do it on some level that neither of us really understood. This is a very, very difficult country to navigate. Mm -hmm. I love it to pieces. Mm -hmm. It's very warm. It's very friendly. It's very exciting. It's very vibrant and colorful. There's so much that's good. But everything you've heard about the bureaucracy is true. Mm -hmm. My husband and I have needed huge reserves of patience and sense of humor and energy just to get through and if you're not clear about why you're doing what you're doing you're not going to do it yeah lots of people I live in Goa and lots of people come here thinking they're going to have a blast and do a bit of work and spend most of their time on the beach well frankly doing business here is too difficult yeah it doesn't work like that Mm. It really is too difficult. Mm. Um, 
But you know, the, the funny thing is that just the universe moves. We, we set a plan to move and six months, we sold a house in the UK, sold a car, sold the contents, moved. In another six months, we found somewhere not just to live, but somewhere to set up the clinic. Um, both, you know, we, we were just, we were just making a start and getting on with it. And I think something coming back to that analogy about, you know, standing on the road bridge, it's, it's finding that way to, to some extent, abandon security. Yeah. But I, I have reservations about the notion of security anyway, having worked for myself for 20 years and realized that, you know, yeah, you can go and work for a big employer and you can have that support system, but actually you're still vulnerable to whims of what happens in your industry and what happens in your business so i think security is a bit of a nebulous concept sometimes yeah but also the whole the whole aspect of the whole issue of what what do other people around you what are their expectations of what would make a sensible decision for you and i think sometimes what i found you also have to accept is as you grow not everybody else around you does Mm. I, I've been really lucky to have a husband who's grown with me. Mm-hmm. And therefore, when we're on an adventure, it doesn't actually matter if one of us grows or the other grows. We're both quite happy with that. But people do change as they grow. Yeah. Um, I, I follow the poet David White a lot, and he has this lovely phrase about the person who sets out on the journey is not the person who arrives. Mm-hmm. And we change and we morph. Mm. And we change our mind. You know, and... I still have relationships, particularly with family members in the UK, where it's difficult for them to understand that I've changed my attitude to making plans. So just because I made a set of plans six months ago, they may not hold good right now because things have changed. Yeah. Just the last year has been extraordinary. We, we've been trying to move back to the UK for about two and a half years. Mm. Okay. But between COVID and now the invasion of Ukraine, it tips a lot of things around and up yeah. and down. And I, I just have to be open and flexible enough to say, okay, I thought we were doing this, that's not right now. So how are we going to manage this? And I think that's one of the things I've got out of India is because a lot of things do go wrong fairly often. Mm. You do get very adept at saying, what can I do? Mm. Mm. If I didn't have a growth mindset before, I definitely have one now. You yeah. do get a kind of, I've got to learn something new. And what what can I do? What is possible right here, right now? So I know that there are a lot of people that go through a lot of stuff. Um, and, you know, the whole world has been through the last couple of years of uncertainty and change and not knowing what's coming next. And you find people react in very very different ways and I love hearing that you're you've adapted and you have embraced the uncertainty and learned to go from a a planner to more fluid Um, what do you think it is that allowed you to to react in that way was there an intention in there does it go back to how you grew up 
or do you feel like you literally had no choice and that was the only avenue you were left with what 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 was it I have a friend who says that if you come and live in India whatever lessons you need to learn India will keep thrashing you around the face like a wet fish until you get it and in part it was I just had to accept that the whole planning ethos didn't work here and yeah there was a certain amount I could do but I got to start abandoning my need to control because it was too stressful right it really was too stressful yeah yeah um also I think Martin and I just had one or two experiences traveling where I realized that if we were a bit less rigid about things, if we were a bit more open to how things were going to play out, we ended up having experiences that were just great and we couldn't have predicted and we couldn't have put in place with a plan. Mm. Um, so I, I began to see advantages. I began to find that it was actually less stressful for me if I just said, okay, we don't have to have that nailed down now. So let's just put that to one side and let's see where we are when we get there. And, and I think some of the last two years has just reinforced that because there's so, there's so much that we think is under our control. C coming out of growing up in Britain, there's this, I, I, I don't know what it's like in, you know, I haven't lived in, in Australia or New Zealand, but in Britain, there's quite a lot of predictability. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. If you do X and you do Y, generally, as, as a general rule, you will get Z. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And it gives you a false sense of control. For me, it, it gives you a sense that there's far more under your control than there actually is. Mm. And I'm not saying that you should never plan. I'm not saying that you shouldn't manage for risk. But I think... For me, accepting that there's actually a huge amount of things that I couldn't control. Yeah. And, and I had to be okay with that. Mm. And, and it's still, you know what? It's still a work in progress. Mm. It, it's still a work in progress. I'm not, I'm not there yet, and that's all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, so I think part of that story, which is something that I uh, am learning because a lot of my, my day job is about... Um, trying to change culture and trying to help people you know shift mindsets and become more of a growth mindset than a fixed mindset and one of the things that we often talk about is how right now the pain isn't enough for them to need to change and I think what you're what you're saying is you got to a point where the pain was enough it was change or like suffer <laughs> so yeah. yeah there was more to it but yeah. it sounds like you you're you weighed it up and you said the benefits of me changing right now is more than the pain that I'm suffering. Also, I, I think the other thing is that it, these things take time to land. Yeah. It's, you can understand something intellectually and not get it viscerally or emotionally. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And it's only when things start to land emotionally almost that they start to really land inside you that you can start to see little doors opening that kind of say are you sure you've got that right mm. are you sure we can't do this 
And, and just what I found is just gradually little cracks started to open up and I'd go, well, okay, let's see what happens if I don't organize this today. Let's just see what happens if I wait. Because yep. um, the, the other thing that we really, really did find in India is I'm inclined to try and overmanage going forward. Mm-hmm. If I think somebody's forgotten to do something or something hasn't happened as it should, mm-hmm. I'm inclined to try and get ahead of the problem. Yeah. Um, or at least I used to be. And, and now I've just, I've done it a few times. It hasn't helped. And I, I, do, I do actually now reach a point where I go, okay, oh, we've been here before. Why don't we just wait until this problem actually gets a bit closer. Yeah. And the only problem with India on this is what tends to happen is you've got a problem that you need solved and absolutely nothing happens for months. And suddenly every single thing that needs to happen is in your lap simultaneously. Right. And it all happens at once. Yeah. That's fine. That, that's just how it is. Yeah. And you also have to have a mindset that says we're going to need to be ready for that. Yeah. Yeah, it's de- definitely a different way of life. Um, and I love that one of the approaches you've taken is, is these little experiments as you go. Let's just try this little experiment and see what happens. And it's it's almost maybe the scientist in you coming out in, in these little experiments that you're doing and, and um, seeing what happens and then like tweaking. Yeah, yeah, being, being prepared to just constantly adjust, but also just being prepared to say, okay, I don't want to change that completely, but is there a little bit I can change that will allow me to see if I can manage that? Yeah. And if I can manage that, can I do a little bit more? Yeah. Um, I knew we cracked the planning business when um, we, we went on a journey to, uh, to Mysore and uh, it was during the monsoon here and the train that was picking us up in Goa, taking us down to Bangalore to connect with the Mysore train, was re- ran really late because um, you get a lot of landslides on the line in monsoon. Mm-hmm. And we, we weren't going to make Bangalore, sorry, Mangalore, in time to get on the Mysore train. But I worked out that we just about had enough time that if we got out of the Mangalore train one station early, the train to go to Mysore was going to be coming through the other way. Right. Okay, we got we got two minutes, literally. <laughs> yeah. But we made it. Yeah. We made it. And we arrived in Mysore at 4, 4.30 in the morning, and I'm, I'm stood on the platform realising that we haven't got anywhere to stay (laughs) and it didn't bother me wow it didn't bother me that I didn't have a plan yeah I mean I I know very well now that if if you walk into Indian hotels even the kind of one and two star ones with all the stuff where all the staff will be sleeping in the reception right the moment a prospective customer appears at the door they all jump to attention yeah I kind of knew we'd probably be all right. But nevertheless, the whole idea that I was able to travel somewhere and arrive at that time in the morning and I didn't have anywhere to stay and that was okay. Then I knew we kind of, we cracked some of the bigger non-planning challenges. Yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) It'll be all right. It'll be fine. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's awesome. Okay, so clearly that was a huge pivot and really has shaped who you are today. Um, it, is there any other pivots or, or points in time that you think if they hadn't have happened, you wouldn't be who you are now? Yeah, um, for me, the whole kind of perimenopause and menopause has been really interesting. Mm -hmm. um, for starters, I wasn't prepared. I wasn't ready at all for the symptoms. Mm -hmm. So much so I didn't actually know what was going on when I started having symptoms about 10 years ago. And I, I'm actually really pleased to see that this is changing and there's more teaching and there's more support available. Um, because there's all sorts of stuff that I really wasn't ready for. And particularly it was, it was mental. It was issues of self-confidence and decision-making. And sometimes I just had to remind myself to look at how far I've come when I'm having a self-confidence wobble about where I'm going next right. to go for God's sake, Alison, look at where you've come from. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The next bit's actually easy, you know, and, and just, but I just, I, you know, I just thought that because I was unfit, I'm a runner. I've always taken care of myself. I thought I'd sail through. Yeah. And I didn't. And it's been a real, the brain rewiring and changing, the shift in attitude has been, in many respects, a bit shocking. And I'm still navigating it. I'm still working out. So, so what does this mean? And I'm only... I think I'm 10 years and I'm only now starting to see the light. Right. I'm still getting physical symptoms. I'm still getting mental ones, but I'm starting to see the light. And the light is that the next bit's going to be very, very much better. Okay. But it's been tough. Yeah. I, I wouldn't, you know, people don't always want to hear this message and I get it because I've got friends who've sailed through menopause without mm -hmm. it being a problem at all I would not want people to think that my experience necessarily has to be theirs we're all very individual yes. and I've got friends who've had almost no problems which is great and I cheer for them mm. it hasn't been the case for me mm. but again I'm just inclined to think that, that the toughness just lends itself to a lot of what I love most about where I am now mm -hmm. has come out of having to learn the hard way that things were changing and that was something I got to be okay with. Mm -hmm. And I think that that acceptance that things are changing and there's a whole bunch of good stuff going to come out of that. It's, um, yeah, but it, it surprised me. I mean, one of the things that happened was uh, I fell out of love with chiropractic which was really weird. I never, ever thought that would happen. Yeah. And it was, it was a mix of things. Um, I started to get a lot of joint pain. It's hard to do a physical therapy when your wrists and your hands are hurting. Mm -hmm. And when you're having to work standing up, because unfortunately well, there is a lot of chiropractic standing up, but I actually couldn't sit a desk. But it was also just the whole nine yards of, of how the mental health affects you and trying to show up for other people who are in pain when I actually wasn't doing so well myself that day. Mm. And, and it led to, it also led to me just having a sense, which, you know, I think, I think this is a common thread throughout 
the consulting work into being a chiropractor and into being where I am now, which is where I do some chiropractic, but I teach a lot of mindfulness, mm-hmm. which is that every stage I've got to a point of, I'm not making the difference I want to make. Mm-hmm. So I need to step this up. Mm-hmm. So I went from corporate work where you generally work with groups to being a chiropractor where I could work one-to-one because I felt that made more difference. Chiropractic work is great. I'm back in love with it again. But the physical therapy, the passive therapy, only gets you so far, particularly with chronic pain. Mm -hmm. The whole mind-body connection and how the brain interprets what's going on in the outside world and how that changes the internal physiology and what we can and can't do about that is where the next big frontier has become for how I want to make a difference. And what it really revolved around is I wanted to be giving people something that they could use to help themselves. However much I try to get my chiropractic patients to be thinking for themselves and working for themselves and looking after themselves, there's still an element of, I've got to go and see Dr. Allison. She's got magic hands. And I come like, no, no, I don't have. Mindfulness and giving people tools that they can use to help themselves. And I love that. And you can use it for as long as you need to use it. Mm-hmm. There are lots of quick wins, but there are lots of things you can come back to time and time and time again, and you see them in a different way. Mm-hmm. And I love that. Mm-hmm. So I love that you're I love that you're coming back to your love of chiropractor now um, and that you can tie these two parts of you together and really help you know the whole person rather than like the part um, which we often get treated in parts um, which is you know strange really when you think about it Um, so is it something that you're doing uh, so you bring it into your chiropractic practice are you also doing mindfulness outside of your chiropractic practice that's a lot of yeah that that's no that that's that's kind of the next adventure I I initially came to it to build it into my chiropractic work Mm -hmm. but then with everything that happened with COVID we actually had to close anyway Mm. And, and I just decided that that for my next adventure It's not that I won't do any chiropractic. I've gone back to doing a bit here in India, but I want to put my focus more on the mind work, on the mindfulness, because I actually think that gives people more benefits over time. So I'm I'm just looking to, to grow that. And I also, for my next avatar, my next adventure, Mm. I actually want the freedom to change where I live because just as I've changed my family has moved around me. Parents are not as young as they once were. They could do with me being a little closer to home. Mm-hmm. Feel that I'm kind of, I'm starting to look ahead into the next 10, 15, 20 years. Where do I want to live? Where do I want to be based? Mm. So I'm looking at a, my, my ideal, my, my big vision is, this idea where I can live in Europe for like seven or eight months of the year and somewhere in Asia for three to four and that my business moves with me. And so I'm looking to do the mindfulness online and it's, it's early days. Mm. I'm still kind of finding my feet, but it's good. It's, um, it's exciting. 
Yeah. And you've got I'm excited. Your vision. You've got your vision. Yeah. You've got your why. Um, I, it sounds to me like it's just taking one step after another across that rope bridge. So you are exactly. well on your way. Yeah. Fantastic. It's yeah. good. I would like to just go back a little bit and ask. Um, so you, you talked about 10 years of uh, menopausal symptoms and I know that you part of your journey is to become comfortable with um, uncertainty and, and ambiguity. I'm just wondering from this vantage point where you're coming out the other side of this 10 years and, and seeing some light, is there anything that you would change with how you approached or got through the last 10 years or do you think it, it is what it is and there wasn't much within your control so you just had to flow with it the one thing that that I wouldn't change at all is that I'm really really glad I was fit before I came in that mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I started it without much in the way of health concerns yeah do you know, the thing I would change is that for quite a long time, and bear in mind, this goes back to before I trained in mindfulness, I, I just kind of resisted. I don't want this change. I don't want all these symptoms. I don't like it. I'm not accepting it. It's too uncomfortable. Why won't it go away? What can I do about it? Mm -hmm. I would like to have dropped some of the fighting what is a little earlier. I think, you know, culturally, I came into it with some of the negative biases about women and aging. And I'd like to have just been able to, I'd like to have been able to let some of that go a little earlier. Yeah, that's, that's, that's probably what I would change. Yeah, yeah. So, so just a little bit less, uh, a little bit more letting go, a little bit less trying to control, because it's yeah. not enough within your control to be able to do anything about it so you're just causing yourself angst really yeah and, and, and honestly accepting that some of the mental health stuff just goes with the territory and it's okay mm -hmm. so suddenly finding that I was very anxious which didn't make sense to me when mm. I looked at the whole of my trajectory mm. just being accepting of that and being okay and, and being accepting that it would pass yeah you know that it's like a it's a way I see it now as like these are waves that I can learn to surf mm. and, and if I face into them and I surf them in trying to go instead of trying to block them mm. Mm. it actually gets a little easier yes yeah yeah go with the flow go with the flow yeah go with the yeah. flow yeah not Lovely. good at that not good at that you need to see me white water rafting <laughs> not good at it keep your feet up out of the water that's what I remember from whitewater rafting yeah really actually a really interesting analogy we went whitewater rafting on the Zanska river in Ladakh for my birthday one year and the thing I remember is the guy told us if you find yourself in the water lie on your back feet facing downwards with the current so that you can see where you're going but you can steer a bit but don't try to fight it he said don't try to swim with it don't definitely don't try and swim against it. No. Feet downstream, go with it. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's a work in progress. Okay, I'm not there. Yeah, but it's, it's all right. I, I'm better than I was. Yeah, good. Learn the hard way. Yeah, that's all it takes. One step in front of the other. 
Um, okay, so that was that was uh, yeah, that would definitely be surprising. And and one of the reasons that I guess I wanted to sort of start this podcast for my own um, selfish reasons was was having very little knowledge of what menopause might turn up like. Um, and I've learned so much from doing this podcast. So um, I appreciate you sharing that story because I think I don't want people to be surprised. I don't think we have to be now. So let's find out about all the, the experiences that people go through so we can have some kind of forewarning. And um, while we may not have control, uh, we can at least know to go with the flow. So, yeah, thank you for sharing that. Uh, so final question is what do you love most about being this age? What is it that you can look at and go, yeah, I am so glad I'm here? Oh, lots of things. Um, I don't drive myself so hard. I'm a, I'm a bit of a perfectionist, or I was. Yeah. And um, I go that bit easier on myself now. And it doesn't stop me making progress. But, you know, if I find I'm a bit low on energy one day, I'm much more likely to say, okay, that's enough for today. Yes. Um, whereas I really used to suffer from, you know, never enough syndrome. It didn't matter how much I'd achieved, how hard I'd worked, how well I'd done, it wasn't enough. Mm -hmm. In fact, you know, oddly, as I was preparing for this, I remembered that when I was doing my, um, I was doing some teacher training to train mindfulness teachers and in the course of it I was doing a kind of one-on-one -on -one breakout with one of the students and we were talking about this subject because we were we were doing interviews with each other yeah and she just she asked me so Alison what would be enough mm -hmm. and I realized I didn't have an answer for that no. And that was kind of like a bit of a penny drop moment that the inclination to drive yourself too hard. And I think, you know, it comes from a belief that if you keep doing this, you keep pushing yourself, you'll get more done. Mm -hmm. But for me, I found it also led to a, I'm not there yet. I need to go faster. I need to go harder. I need to keep, and, and, and just rushing past the world like I'd always got to be somewhere else. Um, one of the other things that I really love about this time in my life is I've developed a much grander sense of awe and, and gratitude just for where I am now and particularly for the natural world. I, I'm quite fortunate. I live in a warm climate. We're outside a lot and I live in a really pretty place. I'm surrounded by mountains, trees, tributary of a river. It's really lovely. Yeah. And I never tire of it. Mm. Any day, there's, there's a part of me going, I'm just going to go and listen to the birds for a bit. You know? And once upon a time, I was so head down, so driven to be somewhere else. I mean, when I lived in the UK, I, I'd often get ticked off by clients and people who knew me in the place we lived because I'd be out going shopping and I'd charge straight past them and I wouldn't acknowledge them. And they'd like, you being, you know, when they'd say, you know, what was it? Have I offended you? Have yes. I upset you? And it'd be like, no, I just hadn't seen them. Yeah. I was so 
I've got to go and do this, then that, then that. Mm. And, and I wasn't, the beauty in the world was passing me by. Mm. And it doesn't now. Mm. I really love that those two things are tied together. Uh, and I, I'd love to know what your thoughts are around. So I, that's, it resonates with me, that whole piece. Um, and I was the person that was driven and that couldn't get there fast enough. And for me, one day I realized that I, it, it was me trying to prove myself as good enough. So it wasn't that I was just trying to get somewhere. I was trying to be someone that I didn't think I was yet. And I, it was that constant, I haven't reached my potential. I haven't reached my potential yet. And so I've got to keep, keep pushing myself so that I can get to my potential because I am such a letdown. Is that, is that, resonating with you at all those kind of thoughts or is that a bit different from your story um no completely and it's just making me smile because when I was in the UK briefly last year I I reconnected with one of my very best friends afterwards when I was back in India she sent me the most beautiful note about partly about how much she was looking forward to me being back in the UK and me being closer and us being able to see each other more often, mm -hmm. which is mutual. Mm -hmm. But she also said to me, Alison, you don't need to prove yourself to anyone. I think there has been that long sense for me that I needed to justify my place on the earth, mm -hmm. that I wasn't entitled to it, of right. Mm -hmm. uh, I've got to prove it. I don't. Or rather, I already have. You know, I've already done the if you've helped one person. Yes. I, I can't remember who said this, but there's an Indian sage who said something to the effect of, you know, if you've helped one person once, it's, it's enough. You've done your job. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I think I'm, I'm doing my bit by coming, coming back to what we said about living your why. Mm -hmm. um, it's a bit of a buzz phrase, but I think if you do live according to, if you understand your own values and you then start to live according with them, mm -hmm. um, there's a wonderful quote by Gandhi, which I can't do justice to, about when your speech, your thought, your action are, are congruent with your values, then you can be at peace. If you are doing that, then whatever it is that you're doing, you're doing your bit. Yeah, that's awesome. I really like that. I um, I I too now I'm at a place where I've been able to let that go and slow right down and not be in such a rush. And uh, I I love that you tied the gratefulness into that because that's been my practice as well for the last years. And I didn't tie them together uh one happened and the other happened and, and um I don't know if they happened at the same time but they certainly work together well and even even just tonight you know I'm I'm so practiced in gratefulness now it 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 just is a lot of my thoughts now is how grateful I am for everything um and I wonder how that affects you 
inside? How does, how does like just share how this slowing down and being grateful for the little things, how has that affected you on the inside? Get a lot calmer. And I, I don't know what this really means affect me on the inside, but I will, I will take longer to listen to the whole of myself because my body will sometimes tell me a lot better than my mind whether I should do something or whether something is right for me. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I recognize now that, you know, I, I can get myself into a tears whilst because I'm overthinking. It's not helpful and it doesn't help me make decisions. And if I can just let things sit, my body mind will tell me what's congruent and what's not. And I can trust it. Mm. It's just karma. Mm. It's a, a less angry, less frustrated and flustered way to live. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It, it feels, to me, I feel definitely karma and then this just fullness of my heart. My heart is just so full. Um, not, it used to be full, I think, for others and now it's full for me and others. And I think that's a huge difference. So, yeah. Oh, well, so I knew we'd have a lot to talk about. <laughs> Um, so I just I, I just want to say thank you so much for joining me and uh, the listeners today on the 50 by 50 podcast and for sharing and for giving us some insights into the different things that you've done and, and that you're doing and how that's transpired into who you are today. So um, I really appreciate it. Do you have a way for people to contact you if they're interested in finding out more about mindfulness or is that still a work in progress? No, no, I, I do. Um, if you go looking for at Mind Insight online, you'll find me on Facebook and Instagram. Wonderful. And, uh, and all of those places also have links to my website, which is www.mindinsight.online. Me. And there's all sorts of, you know, details are there for you if you want to message me. It's, 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 you can contact me and it's all there. Awesome. We will put some of that in the show notes so that it's easy for everyone to find. Uh, and then, yeah, I just want to thank you again for, for sharing with us today. Thank you. It's been a privilege. And it's one of the other things I love about this time of life is I'm finding more and more interesting people to talk to, people to collaborate with. I'm finding people who get me. And it's just so much fun. It really is. So thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Feel grateful for that. I definitely feel grateful for that. Thanks, Alison. And um, if you have st- stuck with us right through to the end of this podcast, thank you. Uh, and we will see you next episode. Thank you so much for listening to the 50 by 50 podcast. I'm really glad you're here. If you enjoyed today's episode, could you rate and leave a review? This really goes a long way in helping other women to find the podcast. Also, if you have a question about turning 50 or making the most out of life, email me at rochelle at herleadershipway.com. You'll find that address in the show notes and I might be able to address it in an upcoming episode. 
and I'll see you next episode.